0: Uh, let's see. Here's my clicker. i got to go quick tonight. We worshiped a long time, long time tonight. Um, we started last week. I've been doing the one-year Bible. I want to encourage you, if you are not reading your Bible every day, start. Start. It will change your life. Start feeding on God's Word every day. But as I was reading last week, uh, I stumbled across um, one of the passages where people were saved in the New Testament but didn't have the Holy Spirit and that a few of the apostles were sent to that region so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And I felt the Lord just tell me, hey, you've taught this twice in the eight years that you've been pastoring. It's time to teach it again. You know, it's like forgiveness. We can never stop teaching on forgiveness. Um, We can never stop teaching on the cross and the blood of Jesus um, we can never stop teaching on salvation and how to receive. We can't stop teaching on grace. We have to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am a, I'm about to leave, but when I leave, I'm sending you another. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And I'm a, 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 it is my desire over the next five or six weeks to build a case. Maybe it won't take me quite that long. To build a case to show you that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a second experience. You didn't get it all when you were saved. How many of you know your life wasn't all set when you walked to the altar and gave your heart to Jesus? We were a baby. We just started. Tell a baby, okay, you've just been born. You're all set. Now go do your thing. They can't. They need help. They need nourishment. They need care. Same thing when I got saved. I needed care. (laughs) But I want you to know, have you ever heard the statement, I thought I received the Holy Spirit when I, was, when I became a Christian? And I have heard that. And you know what? There is truth to that. There's a spirit Since it's a spiritual law that we receive God in terms of our asking, do you know that we receive Christ by asking? Matthew 7, 7 and 8 talks about us asking. It must be obvious that if people don't know there's an empowering of God beyond conversion, they won't ask for it. If you don't know it's available, we won't ask. And God's walk, when we, ha- when we receive Christ, we have to ask. Ask and you will receive. If you will just believe, all those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What has to happen? There has to be an action out of your mouth. Amen? All right. The initial task is that we've got to learn that we have to ask for the Holy Spirit. Do you remember in Luke where it talks about... Would a dad being evil give a son a stone or a, a serpent? How much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To those who ask. So do we have to ask? Yes, we have to ask. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. This is, this is where I want to tell you that we have to have the Holy Spirit To receive Christ. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Yes, you did have a measure of the Holy Spirit when you became saved. The Holy Spirit is present in conversion to introduce the unbeliever to Jesus Christ our Savior. But we are not talking about the introductory ministry of the Holy Spirit to the unbeliever. We are talking about the equipping of the believer... We're talking about the next step to the believer. The empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit for the believers. An experience where he told the disciples who already knew him as savior in Acts 1:8, "But you shall receive power when you receive the when the Holy Spirit has come upon you." These are to those who are already following Christ. But Christ hasn't left yet. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Scripture gives gives us a very clear distinction between the two experiences, especially in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the book that records the life and the activities of the first Christians. And it's really some of the only narratives that we have of the early church. The Gospels are the stories of the life of Jesus, the Epistles are the teaching letters dealing with the problems and difficulties in Christian life, interpreting and explaining the provisions and promises of God to the members of the body of Christ. But Acts is the only, the book of Acts records the actual life and experience of the church in the New Testament age. That's why we need to look at the book of Acts to see, do we look like the church that is in the New Testament? Uh, We had a tongue and interpretation you Go and say, okay. Does that look like the early church in the New Testament? Yes. In fact, it was happening so much that Paul had to go and tone it down a little bit. You're you're, you're going a little bit overboard. Now the church has gone just the opposite. We've removed it all. We don't do it all anymore. This week, as I was reading my one year, I'm 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 going to just tell you how OCD I am. I'm already in August. I'm in the middle of August reading, reading, but and I can't. I think every now and then I'm just going to stop and let myself catch up, and then I can't. My, I just I have issues. But I was reading today about how we are to desire the power and the move of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. There should be prophecy in the church. There should be prophecy by the church out in the streets want you to know I had a situation today where someone called and said you know there was a prophecy given and I had some questions about it great let's talk about it I didn't even know it had happened somebody prophesied in our church over somebody and there were some questions good what was it oh it gets me excited that was going on at the well at our college ministry hallelujah maybe I want to show up over there where are you moving, God? I'm going to go over there, get close to them. Have you ever been by somebody that the Lord is all over them in worship? And if you'll get a little close to them, it'll get on to you too. I love that. If, uh, if, if Elizabeth, if, if I'm ever down there worshiping with her and all of a sudden I catch her on her knees or she's, she's starting to dance and I'm like, I'm, I'm oblivious. I don't have a clue what's going on. What I do is I, I got to be careful because she'll hit me. But I move over I move I move over nearer. What is she saying? And all of a sudden, I start getting stirred up. Yeah, the spirit that's in her is getting on to me. Yeah. You find somebody that's worshiping. Go get next to them. You know, like in school, you sit next to the smart people. Not to cheat off of them because they know what they're doing. I'm going to sit next to you. Maybe, maybe your smartness will get off on me. Maybe not, but I'm going to sure try. You shall, receive the Holy, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We're going to look at five passages. I doubt I can even get to them tonight. Describing the outpouring of the Spirit in what we're going to call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Five instances in Scripture where it was a separate event. Everybody say separate event. Separate. It is separate. And it is straight from Scripture. You don't have to take my opinion. Take, amen, thank you, I guess. Take Scripture. You know, as we were talking about this prophecy that came in the last few days at the well, one of the questions asked was, does it line up with the Word? That is always the question you ask. Because if it doesn't, it's off. It, God's Word will always, God's manifest Word will always line up with His Word. Always. God's word, God's manifest Rhema word will never contradict his written word. If it does, there's something off. God gave us his word so that we can say, so that we can measure what's coming into our ears. That's why you need to be in the Bible every day. That's why I happened to read about how much we should desire prophecy so that when that phone call came to me today, you know what I thought? We should desire prophecy. This isn't a problem. Church on the Hill is not going cuckoo. Church on the Hill is stepping into what God wants for this church. Now, do we have to sort things out sometimes? Sure we do. How many of you know in your life you've got to sort things out? We do. That's normal. Same thing in the church. First one, Acts 2 verse 21. Acts 2, verse 21, we're going to be looking at five accounts where, it's a, where it's the, this, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a second subsequent experience. In Acts two, events prior to the day of Pentecost clearly reveals that 120 people were in, were, uh, in the upper room. Now listen, the 120 that were in the upper room were believers. They were believers. They believed and they followed Christ. They were his followers. They had witnessed his crucifixion and resurrection. They had known that he had died for their sins and that he was their risen Savior. They had heard him commission them to go into all the world and preach the gospel and had seen him ascend into heaven. You remember the 120? Jesus went and talked to about 500 after he had risen from the grave and uh, he was back walking around. He told about 500 to go to the upper room. How many made it? 120. Days today, it'd be even less than that, I'm afraid. But 120 were there that knew Christ. But knowing Jesus was their Lord and Savior was not enough. At least not in the mind of the Lord himself. He said, it's not enough. I want you to go up here and wait for me. I'm leaving, but I want you to go up here and wait because there's something else. Luke Luke 24, 49 says, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father. I love that. I love that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. But you who stay in the city until you're clothed With power from on high. I want you to know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not required for salvation, it is required for victorious Christian living, it is required for effective spiritual warfare. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Do you know when it says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you another? And I've told you this. If you've sat under my teaching at all for for any length of period of time, you know what that word another means. Do you remember what it means? I'm sending another. One just like the same. Meaning I'm sending you one just like me. Except I believe Jesus was saying, because I can't be everywhere. I am a man. Jesus Christ was a man. But he is sending forth the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can fill everyone. He can be with everyone. Jesus had to leave to be at the right hand of the Father. But he left and sent us the Holy Spirit that could be poured out onto all flesh. One just like the same. So when I receive the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm receiving? I'm receiving Jesus Christ. I'm receiving Jesus Christ's Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is what's in me. You know what? It kind of pumps me up a little bit. It actually makes me think I could get through something. Sometimes I forget. How many of you today forgot you could get through what you're going through? Now I want you to remember you've got the Holy Spirit in you. If, you. if you've been through this, if you've received the Holy Spirit, if you haven't, don't wait. If you, if you trust God, go ahead and ask for it now. Don't wait until the end of my, end of the, end of the, my series. Don't wait. It'd be like I'm going to teach for eight weeks on salvation, and I'm not going to offer you Christ until the end. Don't wait. Go ahead and take it now. I'm going to offer it to you now. In fact, at the end of my sermon, if you want to come up and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'll pray for you tonight. Every night, from here on out, this altar is always an altar that, is, that will make the baptism in the Holy Spirit available. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, anytime I'm here. I believe anytime my deacons are here, anytime my wife or my staff are here. It's a place that you can receive Christ. It's a place that you can receive prayer for healing. It's a place that you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, kind of got off track there. I didn't, I didn't, but I did. All right. Let's move on. Acts chapter eight, verse four, verse four through seventeen. If y'all you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts eight, uh, verse fourteen. I don't know where I am in my PowerPoint. There we go. That's good. Go ahead, and, and if you don't care, let's just go ahead and turn our Bibles there. Acts chapter eight, verse four. Uh, well, um, uh, the whole story is uh, verse 4 through 17. So if you've got your Bibles out, put you a little mark there, if you don't mind to mark your Bibles, and go back and read the whole story. But I'm going to give you a brief, a brief um, synopsis of this, and then I'm going to end with this one. We're only going to get through the first two. Mm. Remember, the first one was Pentecost. Pentecost. The 120 were in the upper room. They were believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. I didn't read that one. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. Um, They all began speaking in tongues. They thought they were drunk. Go read it. I'm not going to go into that one tonight. Acts chapter 8. Second of five accounts, baptism in the Holy Spirit is the eighth chapter of Acts. This is Philip, one of the first deacons ordained in the church, goes to the Samaritan city and he begins to preach the gospel. A great revival breaks out. Miracles accompany the preaching of God's word. It's a revival of signs and uh, wonders in which signs and wonders put the divine stamp of the authority and the approval of the gospel message. People turn from paganism to Jesus Christ, from sin to salvation, from darkness to light. New converts are baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus, thus becoming full-fledged Christians in the body of Christ. Yet, word gets back to the apostles in Jerusalem about the Samaritan revival, and we find them responding not in terms of what's happening in Samaria, but what's not happening. In the thinking of the apostles there is a vital missing element in the miracle-working revival Philip has underway, and they are so concerned that they send Peter and John down to the Samaritan city to take care of that omission. And what was missing was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, I think I even talked about, I think this was our scripture from last week um, from the one-year Bible, Peter, uh, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I just want to say that should be enough to know there is a second experience. We shouldn't have to do the other three, but we're going to. We have four Gospels to help confirm Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. That's why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have four different approaches, four different men, their take on what happened. We're going to have five stories, not stories, five accounts from Acts from the early church of Christians receiving John's baptism of water baptism, but not receiving Christ's baptism, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, can we all see this? You all with me? We see clearly. Clearly. Again, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience that introduces the Christian into the supernatural realm of Christian life. And I believe the scriptural account in the Samaritan revival bears this out. Philip has this great revival going on, people being saved, and the apostles are saying, Wait a minute, we're missing one step. Go down there and help fulfill the rest of this. That's how important it is that they would be full of the Holy Ghost. Let's do one more. Acts 9 reveals how Saul, who became Paul, was converted on the road to Damascus when he was struck down by a blinding light from heaven right in the midst of his campaign to persecute Christians. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Oh, sorry. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Um, let me just say real quickly, and you, I'm sure you know this, but we at the Church on the Hill believe on the laying on of hands. We believe on the speaking and praying in tongues. We believe in, um, we believe in the fruits of the Spirit. We believe in the move of the Spirit. We desire the Holy Spirit here. We, be, we believe in prophecy. Um, and I desire for the prophets to start speaking up, and I'm thankful for Bill. Bill, without a doubt, is, is one that has prophesied, and, and there are many more here in this church. But I want you to know, God desires in his church prophecy. Now I want you to also know that when someone gives, when a prophet gives a word, it is our job to discern and to put it, to test it next to God's word. And if you're filled with the Spirit, to test it against, not against, with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will attest to it, his word will attest to it. We don't just allow someone to have the microphone and say anything they want and let's just believe anything that is said. That is not your role as a Christian. Your role as a Christian is to test, test all things and hang on to that which is good. That even goes for what I'm saying to you. Your pastor does not just have this, this uh, voice that speaks right into your soul and into your heart that you just don't, that you let go unfiltered. No, everything goes filtered by His Spirit and by His Word. Always. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're believing. Why are you believing it? Does it line up with His Spirit and His Word? All right? Saul, Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then, he, then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus in a dramatic way. And even though he was soundly converted in that experience, he was not equipped for ministry. Therefore, God picked an obscure disciple named Ananias who came to pray for Paul, not only that he may have his sight restored, but that he may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to remember, if you remember this story, if you remember this account, Ananias got a word that Paul was coming and that Ananias needed to be looking for him and needed to pray for him. He knew that this was going to happen. And the problem was Ananias knew Paul. He knew Saul. And he knew what Saul was doing to Christians. And Ananias is like, wait a minute. I don't want to pray for him. I don't want anywhere near him. I know Saul. But he obeyed the Lord. Here comes Saul, blinded. He's received Christ. And then in Acts 9, 17, oops. Go back. Did you just help me read that fast? Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody helped me, whether it's you, Mike, or God. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent, sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sorry. I'm kind of just barely getting y'all started, but we're going to stop right there. I want to encourage you, and we're going to see in Ephesians before this is over, that it talks about being filled with the spirit, be filled with the spirit, and that 's a word to Christians that being you may have the you may have received you may have come up front and had someone pray for you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it says to be filled, and what that means is be continually filled. we need to be filled over and over and over again. How many of you run out? you know there's holes we get we got holes in us that somehow you know, we, we, we get empty. And it talks about being continually filled. And I just want to encourage you. I want you all to stand with me. And Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit. If you have, I want you to ask for more. Scripture tells us to ask for more. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit. But if you've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I just want, as I pray, I'm just going to pray over you. And I just want you to consider it. I want you to know in my testimony that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in my shower. I didn't go in a prayer line. People didn't lay hands on me. I, um, I was 17 years old, and in my shower, I just prayed to the Lord to baptize me in His Spirit. In church, just like you received salvation, it's just you receive by faith. You ask, and God gives. Now, I immediately, about the next weekend, took off to a a retreat that was going on, a conference that was going on that literally this teacher of mine that I draw from, he's dead now, his name's Derek Prince, was teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I went forward, had him pray for me, but I'd already received. I just went and kind of confirmed it. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, maybe you'd say, I've never even heard of it. You know, you're no different than these Christians from the New Testament but that the apostles were so adamant about it that they sent, sent these disciples to go to pray for them to receive. Would you just consider it? Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you just to move in our hearts. And Lord, in Ephesians, you tell us to ask for your Holy Spirit to be filled with your Spirit. Fill us again. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. I need the filling of your Holy Spirit so badly fill us again. You can sit right where you are and you can ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about tongues tonight. That's not something that you even got to worry about. It's a gift. It's something that can come later. It doesn't have to. But you need to ask for the Holy Spirit. He says, so much will a father, so much will will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Will you ask? Father, we ask for your baptism of your Holy Spirit. Fill us right now. just want to open the altar. I'm going to dismiss you that if you have prayer for any need, we're going to Elizabeth and I are going to stay down here to pray with you. If you want the baptism in the Holy Spirit, maybe you've asked for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you've never gotten your prayer language, we want to pray for you to get that tonight. I've not taught on it yet. You may want to wait for me to teach. But why wait? Father, we've got a church that has such great needs. And I just ask you right now to to start meeting those needs, that we would start walking towards you, that we would literally give our heart to you. And that, Lord, that you would be our God and you would be our rescuer, the rescue of sinners. You are our ransom. You paid our price. We just receive you tonight. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great week. If you need prayer, come on down here. I'm just going to stay just as long as people keep coming, I'll stay down here.